time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Luke 15, verse 1. The parable of the lost sheep. Very good. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the other ninety-nine in the wilderness and go to search for the one that has lost until he finds it? Thank you very much, my man. You can have a seat. Y'all give it up for him. Just hold on to that. I'll tell you where to start. So, there's a friend here just read verses 1 through 4. It's called the parable of the lost sheep, right? And here's the deal. I want you to allow me to pause just for a moment. And I want you to just, I want to tell you a couple things about Jesus and his teaching style. So you guys are cool just to hang up there. Y'all look so great. Y'all give it up for my other four readers. Come on, y'all clap for them. They're so great. They're going to read to you the word of God, the most powerful book ever written. But before they do, I just want to talk to you about Jesus for a moment. Jesus was such a great preacher and a great teacher. He was an eloquent orator. What does that mean, orator? That's a big word for just one who uses his oral skills, obviously speaking all the time. He was such a great speaker. He's such a great teacher. And he knew how to not only capture, but also retain the attention of all of his listeners. So here's the deal. Whenever Jesus would speak, I don't even think Jesus had to yell or anything because he spoke with such authority and such wisdom and such power that everybody would just listen because they knew that they were not listening to just an ordinary man. As a matter of fact, one time in the Gospels, some of the scribes and the Pharisees, the leaders in the religious law say, gosh, who is this man? Because he does not teach like anyone else I've ever heard, for he speaks as one with authority. Something powerful whenever Jesus would speak. But also, whenever Jesus would teach, many times he would use what we call parables. He would even, he would, um, he would use these stories to help people remember. So the major theme in this first parable, because we're about to go into, we're going to land on the second of three major parables. But the theme in this first parable is that everyone matters. Just say everyone matters. Come on, somebody, take your right hand, put it on your chest and say, everybody matters. matters. Say, I matter. matter. Turn to the person next to you and say, you matter. M-A-T-T-A, you matter. Okay, so that's Jesus' big idea. He would tell these stories and it would have one big idea. And one of the big ideas, or the one big idea in the parable of lost sheep, is that everybody matters. Jesus would leave everybody over here to go and find one person that had kind of strayed away. Because everyone matters to him. So I want us to continue in this passage. And we're going to look at this next parable, the second. And we're going to land on the third one. But start reading right here, verse 8. And uh, I'll just scroll for you. Parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call on her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. 
Very good. Thank you. You can pass the microphone. So the parable. Yeah, y'all give it up for her. Y'all so good. So that's the parable of the lost coin. The parable of the lost coin. So the first parable was the parable of the lost sheep. The second parable is the parable of the lost. All right. The lost coin. Raise your hand. I want you to, if you've ever lost something that's had high value to you. I mean, and you would just give your right arm to find it. Yeah, everybody's been there before. What did you lose? So many things you just can't even think. Can't ever think, Jason, your phone? Oh, Lord, whoever lost their cell phone before? Come on, somebody needs to put two hands and a foot up. All right, so what else? Can somebody else can think of some of your... Real diamond earrings? Oh, Lord, did you find them? Never? Oh, crush my soul. Okay, here we go over here. Hold on a second. What did you lose? $100? Did you find it? Three months. Where was it? Hidden under your sister's bed. How many of you think his sister took the hundred dollar bill and hid it? Oh, y'all wrong. Do you think your sister took it? For real? That's awful. She needs to be delivered. All right. Anybody? Okay. Here we go. You lost your permit. Your drive it permit. Wow. Did you have to get a new one? You found it. What was it like searching for it? Yeah, heart attack, for real. How, so, so that's the big idea. One, one more person in the back, right there. Ben, $137? Was it like all in ones or large bills or just a wad? Was this last night after your birthday party? Last year after your birthday party. Benjamin had an awesome birthday party last night. So, so good. Benjamin just turned 13. Some of you say, well, how do you know? Because he invited me to his party. You invite me to your party, I'll come too. Uh, orange shirt right there. Go, go, go. Come on. Still haven't found it. Do you think that there's hope? Like, are you still? <laughs> that ain't lost. That was destroyed. <laughs> okay, so that's it. So we all know what it's like. And you know, in the moment when, like, everybody knows the moment whenever you, you, you realize that. Oh, it's lost. Like, it's not misplaced. It's not gone forever. That's a crushing feeling. That is the feeling that Jesus is trying to communicate whenever he tells these three parables all in a row. So he starts off with, a, with, a, with a, the parable of the lost sheep. Sheep were so important to shepherds in those times. So it's not like he would just kind of let it go. I mean, it was everything. Then he goes on to the second parable, the one with the lost coin. Potentially, this is like a huge amount of money. And for a woman in those days who was single, who lost money to pay bills, it was a huge deal. You talk, think about losing a hundred dollar bill. Oh my gosh. Think about losing thousands. I mean, just gone. She would sweep her entire house looking for that one coin. That's what Jesus says. Now, I want us to go on to this third parable, and this is where we're going to kind of land. Start reading at verse 11, Sam, and I'll stop you. Parable of the lost son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him the story. A man who had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to share my, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there, he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time he his, running, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. 
He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Hold on. Stop right there. Thank you very much, Sam. We'll go on. Start reading to 16. Yeah, y'all clap for Sam. Y'all are so good. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he fed, that he, that was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, uh, even the hired servants had food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I will no longer... And I'm no longer worthy of, ha- of being called your son. Please take me on your, as your hired servant. Y'all give it up for him. Thank you very much, man. Micaiah, so we're at 20, verse 20. As soon as he returned to his father, and while, while he sat... Wait, whoa, wait, where am I? Okay. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He said, his son said to father him, to him, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I am no longer of being wor- of worthy of being called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and saddles for his sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Everybody say, the, so the party began. And give it up for Kaya as she goes home. Everybody say, so the party began. So the party began. So our third parable, and again, I told you this is where we're going to kind of land this morning. is the parable of the lost son. If you're taking notes this morning again, why don't you just title this message, Because I Belong. Because I Belong. And in parentheses, you can put to God. Because I Belong. Parentheses to God. What comes to mind whenever you hear the word belong? Shout it out to me. What comes to mind when you hear belong? Mine? Home? Owning something? Friends? What comes to mind? Come on. Sorry? Community. Very good. Family. My mama. (laughs) Frontline. Thank you very much. What else? Anything else comes to mind? Belong. Together. Worship. Belong. So different things kind of come to mind whenever we hear the word belong. In verse 13, again, talking about... Talking about the parable of the lost son, the younger son had clearly believed something that was not true. Why did he feel the need to give in to greed and be impatient? So basically you have here the story, two sons, right? Both of them have an inheritance coming from the father. Both of them have an inheritance that they're going to get whenever the father dies. Something that they're they're, going to be given. And he had become so impatient to where he looks at his father. And in those days, this was so disrespectful. This was so out. This was so dishonoring. Because basically what the younger son said to the father in asking for his inheritance now is, won't you just die already? I'm ready to get what's mine. I mean, I mean, it was so dishonoring to his father. 
he believes some lie that gosh, he, he doesn't need to wait. He doesn't need to honor his father. He doesn't need to wait until the appointed time because he wanted what was his and he wanted it right now. And some of you can totally relate to this younger son even making demands of your parents. Whenever you want something, you want it right now. I'm taking this to bring it A new video game comes I need to go bring it It's like, who do you think you are? Have you lost your mind? That's what my mom would say to me. And so the parable of the lost son, I think we can relate to it in multiple, multiple ways. But here's the deal. Your downward spiral will always begin with a lie that's been told to you by the enemy. A downward spiral in life always begins with a lie that Satan whispers in your ear. And so it was with the younger son. The prodigal is what we call him. It's what this parable has been titled a writers by church leaders throughout, the, throughout history. See, I believe the second born son in his family has the same issue as so many in this generation today. You see, I've been asked multiple times throughout the years of youth ministry, working with teens, working with young adults, college students, what's the number one issue? What's the problem? What's, you know, if there's one thing, like what, what is it? And it always comes back to, it always comes down to this is what I've discovered. The number one issue is identity. Don't really know who we are. If this younger son truly understood how loved he was by the father, what his inheritance really was, how much his father so loved him and so wanted to bless him, there would have been no need to try to wrestle over and get what was his right now. He was operating out of a faucet. He didn't understand. He didn't understand what it meant to belong to his father. That he was so deeply loved by his father. I want to ask you, who are you this morning? Who you believe yourself to be will determine everything you do and you say. You can tell me a lot of things, but I know your belief system just by watching your behavior. Just by watching some of you in worship. I know what you believe and I know what you don't believe. Just by watching some of the way that you, some of you, the ways that you interact with your parents. Oh, I know what you don't believe. And I know what you do believe. The way that you respond to leaders and authority. I know what you believe. And it's very clear what you don't believe. Whenever the word is being taught on Wednesdays or Sunday mornings. I know those of you who truly believe that God is in the place and he's speaking to you. And I know those of you who have no absolute, you don't really believe that God is right there with you face to face, speaking to your heart. I know what you do believe and I know what you don't believe simply by your behavior. You act the way you act because you believe what you believe. And for some of you, you've been believing lies for years and years and years. Lies of unworthiness, lies of you're not good enough. Lies of you could never amount to. Lies of you'll always just be psh, nothing much. Lies of you're not deeply loved by God. Lies of, oh, it doesn't really matter what you do and say. Nobody's watching you anyway. That's a lie from the pit of hell. People are watching you. This world is watching you. Just because you name the name of Christ, this world is watching you. Do you believe that honestly? You act the way you act because you believe what you believe. You say what you say because you believe what you believe. I believe the fatal plague of this generation is a massive identity crisis. Don't really know 
Some of you even who are walking just so far away from God that God still says, hey, you belong to me. You belong to me. I'm your father. See, so many in this generation has forgotten who God is. Forgotten. Some of you, you started off well, but somewhere along the way you forgot that you have a maker, that you have a creator, that you have a father, that you have a constant friend in every season of life who loves you and who is there for you and who is there with you. You've forgotten it somewhere along the way. But I'm here this morning to very clearly issue you a reminder that you belong to God. Doesn't matter how far you've gone, His grace is sufficient. You belong to Him. He wants to tell you that. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, I probably said this like a broken record. Judges chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, also 10 and 11. Arguably one of the saddest verses in the Bible for me. Verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. Verse 10 says, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, served the false gods. You see, when a generation forgets his or her God, destruction is guaranteed. Whenever a generation forgets his or her God. And this is the plot of the enemy in your lives. So many times he wants you to forget what God's presence feels like. He wants you to forget those cool moments that you've had. Many of you who have grown up in church the majority of your lives. Some of you recently started coming, but so many of you have been here for years and years. And the enemy longs to make you forget what God's love feels like. What his power feels like. What his hand on your life and what his voice sounds like. And what it feels like to have the eyes of God just looking at you saying, you are my son. I am well pleased and I have good and great plans for your life. Will you follow me? his greatest plot. Because if you forget, you begin to act in a false identity. You begin to act as one who doesn't even know God. But the father still says, you belong to me. Somebody say belong. Belong. You matter. Everybody matters in this room. You matter to God. And next week we'll be talking about how much you matter to us as a staff as DSM pastors, as desperation leaders to this community, to this church, to this youth ministry, you matter to us. But today we're talking about how much you matter to God. The prodigal was on a pathway to devastation. Verse 14, it says, About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed The pigs. You see, when purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. What do I mean by that? Whenever you begin to forget who you are, you begin doing things with your body, with your time, with your money, with your talents, and you literally begin to abuse the gifts that God has placed on the inside of you. Does that make sense to everybody? Some of you have leadership off the charts But whenever your purpose is forgotten, you'll use your leadership and your influence just to make people laugh. 
or just to make people like you even more instead of causing people being a change agent for people to draw closer to Jesus. When your purpose is forgotten, abuse is inevitable. It will definitely occur. But whenever you remember who you are and more importantly, remember whose you are, that you belong to God, you can win a gold medal in South Korea and say, gosh, it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And it's about him getting glory out of my life with everything that I do. Does that make sense? Come on, somebody. So we see here a son who is for all practical purposes, a prince living like a pauper, right? In scripture, remember as some, a couple of them read this morning, when all of his money ran out, he goes out and he asks somebody, will you just hire me? And the guy says, okay, you can just like feed pigs. And he begins feeding pigs. Gosh, it's ridiculous. It's like Justin Bieber sleeping on the street somewhere saying, I don't have any, prayer, any place to go. It'll be like LeBron James or Dwayne Wade saying, hey, you got some money to buy me a burger because just, I just don't have any money. It's ridiculous, you guys. It's like Donald Trump needing to borrow money from one of us. It's, it's crazy. It's unheard of. But why do some of us live that way? As if you do not belong to God. As if he is not your source. The heart of the Father. This parable is the third in three crucial parables that Luke records. All dealing with something of great value that's lost. The pursuit of the owner trying to locate it. And the great joy that comes upon locating and restoring the lost valuable. Verse 4 says this, if a man has a hundred sheep, one of them gets lost, what will, he do? what will he do? He will leave the 99 others in the, wild, in others in the wilderness and he'll go search for the one that is lost until he finds it. This is our God who says, you belong to me. So if you ever try to run away, oh, just don't worry because I will chase after you because I so want to be your father and I so want to be your friend. It is so crucial, you guys, in the middle school year, 7th and 8th and ninth grade, that you get this in your heart, that you belong to God. You don't belong to the world. You don't belong to this culture. You don't belong to people around. You belong to God. And he has crafted out a purpose for your life. Amen? Verse 8 says, I suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? This is Jesus's way of saying, gosh, if you were ever to walk away, gosh, if you, if you ever think you can get away from me, just get over that fact because you can't. I will search through all of heaven and earth and even go down into the pits of hell. That's where my love, that's how deep my love is for you. I love you. He loves you today. And he says that you belong to him. Amen. I want to close this morning with a clip that just kind of illustrates this whole idea of the prodigal son, this third crucial parable. If you guys will cue this up, cue this up and the worship team can come. You guys can start that. Do you ever get tired of your boring day-to-day -day life? I know I do. I should say that I did. Then I decided to do something about it. You see, conventional wisdom says that you live your life and then your parents die and they give you whatever they have left over, an inheritance. 
I'm sorry, that just wasn't good enough for me. So I decided to do something about it, you know? I want my money right now. So one day, I walked right up to my dad, and I said to him, Dad, I want what's coming to me right now. That's what my youngest son said to me. I want what's coming to me right now. All I could think of that moment was, I'd like to give you what's coming to you right now. I brought him into this world, and I can make another one just like him. But he's my son, and I love him. So I gave him his money and told him if he could have a better life on his own without me, so be it. He packed his bags, and the next thing I knew, I was out of there. Kissed this boring place goodbye. I had places to go, people to see. So the first thing I did was, my son got lost. I love him, but he's no Magellan. I heard he had to stop for directions at least four times before he even made it out of our hometown. You know what? No, not four, okay? It was three. And, and one of them wasn't even my fault. I, I couldn't understand what the guy was saying. I was just like, okay, thank you. And besides that... The only reason I can't follow directions is because somebody never taught me to follow directions. Don't go there. Uh, okay, look. The point is, I got out of there, and I started to live it up. I mean, I had more friends than I knew what to do with. I, I was eating like a king. I had the finest clothes, and the ladies. <laughs> what can I say about the ladies? I can say something about the ladies. They were women, but they were not ladies. Okay, okay, you know what? Never mind. The, the thing was, life was good. Until? Until my son's money ran out. Around the same time a recession hit our country. There, there wasn't any work to be found. I, I mean, I tried. I really tried. But there just weren't jobs. Eventually, I found a job. It wasn't bad. It was a manager's position. It was an associate position at the... Okay, I was a bacon preparation assistant. Which means? I fed pigs. I hated that job. I didn't pay much. I, I didn't have enough money for a place to live. There were many days I didn't even have enough money to eat. Sometimes I was so hungry, I would gladly have eaten the disgusting scraps I was feeding the pigs, but I couldn't. They wouldn't let me. So hunger pains is a constant reminder of how I'd squandered everything my father had given me. I lived in agony day after day after day after day. I'd watch and I'd wait for my son to come home and my heart would ache as only a parent's heart could for his own child. But hear me on this. I never gave up on him. I never gave up on him. I knew that it would happen one day. One day it hit me. One day I realized that the lowliest of my father's workers lived better than I did. At, le at least they had a place to live and food to eat. And I didn't have either one of those things. So I wondered, what if he never comes to his senses? What if he lets pride just get in the way? No, no. I will see him again. Again and again. These thoughts ran through my head as I began my journey back to my father's house. I knew what I would do. Um... There's no way that I would accept a handout, and, and I couldn't expect him to take me back as his son. So I would ask him to hire me on as a worker. I mean, maybe he would do that. Just maybe. Maybe today will be the day that my son will come home. That's what I would say every morning when I'd wake up. Maybe today will be the day that I would see him off in the distance as he makes his way back home. Home. That word means so many things. Uh, comfort, 
care, security, love, home. I couldn't believe I was just a few hundred yards away from it. It was a beautiful day. I was sitting on my front porch, and that's when I saw him. He stood up out of his chair. He looked in my direction. He squinted his eyes to get a better look at me. And then I began to wonder, what if he doesn't take me back? What if, what if I get to him and he just looks at me and he says, I told you so, I told you so. Some of you would just roll your eyes every time I mentioned my son. But I knew he would come back. I just knew. I just knew this was a bad idea. I knew I shouldn't have done this, and so I just stopped. He just stood there. I couldn't move. I couldn't just stand there, so he jumped. My dad literally jumped off the porch. I'd never seen him do anything like that before. It was like he was this little kid who was excited about something. And then it hit me. He was excited about me. So you know what I did next? I I ran. ran. My heart was pounding so fast, I just had to get to him. I'd never seen him run so fast. He was running at me with his arms stretched out wide as if to say, Welcome home! Welcome home! That's what I kept shouting to him. But I don't know if he could hear me, so I just kept shouting it over and over. All I wanted to do was just scoop him up in my arms like he was when he was like a little child. And just let him know that everything was going to be okay. And as I got closer to him... I could see tears running down his face. He was crying. Tears of joy. And you know what my son did next? (laughs) I jumped. I I was nervous. I was excited. And so I literally jumped. And you know what my father did? Well, I fell backwards. He's a big boy. (laughs) And then, and then he hugged me. And he embraced me like only a father can. I kept saying over and over again, I am so sorry. Get him some clean clothes. Uh, let's give him a meal. No, a feast. Yes. will no longer live as an orphan. For all my hopes have come true. I guess it was hope. Hope that made me start that journey back home. Hope that got me through all the miles. A hope that my father would take me back and somehow I could be forgiven. Forgiven. It's all forgiven. And I will never bring it up ever again. There is no shame. There is no guilt. For my son was lost. And now he is found. I want you guys to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet this morning as we close. And just as we talked about the prodigal son and this whole idea of him running to his father and his father running to him. The big idea is that you belong to God. No matter where you've been, no matter where you've done, his grace is sufficient. He will always run after you. And just like the guy said in the video, gosh, it's so hard sometimes because pride definitely gets in the way. But the big idea in this series, week one, is that you belong to God. Everybody lift up your hands as we close in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much. And I thank you that even prodigals today, Lord, in these moments, make a fresh commitment to say, I don't have to run away from God anymore, but instead I'll run towards God and I'll see God running towards me. Holy Spirit, I thank you 
that even now, God, that rebellion is no match for the love of God, for a God who is chasing after his sons and his daughters this morning. Father, I thank you that areas that we've walked in as sons and daughters, God, I thank you that you're calling them back to the reality of the love of God. For some teenagers, even this place, have been acting out in the last months. God, I thank you for an authentic change because of revelation, because of truth coming to them, because of the fact they believe that they belong to you, God. We give you praise. We give you glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.